Mac Power Users, Episode 244, When Bad Things Happen. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I am doing great. I just released that new workflow uh, video field guide. Everybody's loving it, getting some nice messages. Thanks, everyone, for the support on that. And um, I'm ready to talk about some geeky Mac stuff. Yeah, well, we'll see how happy you are at the end of this episode, because we are we are talking about doomsday scenarios today. These are opportunities to become a hero. That's what the show should be called. Hero Opportunities. They could be opportunities, but it's 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 planning for the worst so that when the worst does happen, you don't freak out. Yeah, it's it's yeah. disaster preparedness. And also it it's disaster avoidance. I, I got an email. I, I wrote a post at Mac Sparky like like four years ago um, about I called it MacBook Scuba. And my sister had uh, was visiting and the cat knocked over a glass of water in her Mac and it was like in water for the evening. And so I wrote up a nice post about all the steps we took and it ultimately recovered the computer. And uh, I just got an email the other day from someone in like Argentina who had had the exact same thing happen, did a search. Somehow my post came up and all the noise of the Internet and it saved her computer. So uh, when you finish this episode, we're hoping that you'll be able to be the hero for the next person in your life that has one of these problems. Sounds like a plan. So, okay. So, All right. So, so, uh, so what we've done is we've made a um, a um, a cat was a catalog of sins, you know, or problems that you can have, and we're going to talk about how they happen, what to do when they happen, and how to avoid it in the future. Well, and particularly what you can do right now before they happen to exactly. to prevent, and maybe not always prevent because some things are unavoidable, but but mitigate your damages. Mitigate mitigates a lawyer word. People know what mitigate means, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Lawyers. Ugh. They make me crazy. They do. They're horrible. Yeah. You know, you know what the first thing we should do is? What should we do, Katie Floyd? We should kill all the lawyers. Yeah, with what? <laughs> That's what Shakespeare said. With kindness. <laughs> yes, with, with kindness. kindness, of course. That's right. I and, find and, that, a, that that's very disarming, you know, because so many lawyers, I do a lot of litigation stuff. And I'm really, that's just not my personality to be kind of like the... um the, the total jerk. And I'm actually not that way to opposing counsel. And it always throws them off. Hmm. They don't know what to do with me. Well, I don't know. Anyway. All right. Let's, let's get back to the Mac stuff and, and let's talk about when the bad things do happen to your Mac. And, and this is one that we, we talked about a little bit uh, in our, in our episode with Joe. And it's not something that we talk about often on the Mac because we said for the longest time, this can't happen on the Mac, but you know what? It, it can. And it, it is unfortunately happening more often. People are getting malware on their Mac. And by malware, I mean, primarily adware, um, occasionally Trojan horses and just in general programs that they didn't mean to download. You know, David, on that episode, I was talking about a, an incident fairly recently, I think in the last month, where my dad was trying to download an Excel template to do something and ended up downloading something he didn't intend that launched all kinds of things on his Mac. And you were talking, I think, about a friend of your daughter who came to you with something that got on her Mac that she didn't realize. Yeah. And it and the thing is, on the Mac, it's it's actually quite difficult to install malware because 
Any new software you install requires you to put in your system password. So it takes user action. But we're um, so we're so programmed that that box pops up and says, put your password in and people do. Yeah. And I think, frankly, a lot of the the no good nicks that are behind this stuff often cloak this stuff in the in the veil of security. They say, oh, your computer has a problem. You need to install this or type your password in so we can fix this for you. And then and then you you know, you've let the barbarians in the gates, as they say. So um, it it is something. And and uh, the other point I was going to make is, you know, I was it leopard or actually it was more recent than that. Mavericks, I think. Uh, but recently, they've really increased the the game for sandboxing uh, data on the Mac. So you know, Apple always kind of had that ability with the iOS devices because when when iOS was a new thing, viruses already existed, and and they were able to kind of engineer around it to the beginning, much to our chagrin, frankly, because it prevents a lot of apps we love from sharing data. Um, but the Mac was always kind of like in the wild west, and more recently, Apple's been clamping down, so they made it even harder. And yet, I've seen this a lot more in the last few years than I ever saw it before. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, how this happens, because perhaps step one is is preventing this from happening in the first place and, and helping people to recognize when these kinds of things happen. So how does somebody accidentally get malware on their Mac? Well, just like just like I was talking about earlier with my daughter's friend, uh, you're on the internet, minding your own business, and somehow you stumble into a website that has a call to action that is compelling to you. Like and free free virus scan or speed up your Mac or, um, you know, click here for free ringtones or. Yeah. Yeah. And all those are fairly innocuous. I mean, the, the old way we would talk about this would be to say, um, are you um, going to be doing. um. You know, are you going shady? to be downloading? Yeah, exactly. Anything they, shady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe not, maybe not Girl Scout friendly. Exactly. And, yes. and, and that's a, that was a good way to get into trouble. But now I think people are getting into trouble in more innocent ways. Right. And it, it could be just a, a perfectly legitimate site. I think the New York Times was a victim of this recently, where their uh, perhaps an ad network on that site has become infected. And as a result, uh, a perfectly legitimate site is is spewing off something that they didn't intend to. So, so that's, that's one way, you know, probably still the most common way I think that this happens is you're downloading a file that you think is one thing that's actually another, you know, we famously call those Trojan horses. You you think that you're downloading the Adobe flash update. And in fact, you're, you're downloading this adware package, or you, you think that you're, you're downloading, uh, you know, free ringtones when in fact you're not. Um, and, and then obviously they're, they're downloads from questionable sources. Uh, I, I would strongly encourage you to for many reasons, but, you know, not least of which is, is avoiding malware, is to stay away from, from pirated software, you know, on these file sharing networks. If, if you're pirating and, and looking for uh, things for less than full value, you know, there's a lot of stuff floating around there that may not be what you're looking for. So pirated and cracked software uh, is is a, a known place that you can find some of this stuff. Uh, and you're also commonly seeing it now as bundled as part of another program. You know, maybe you intended to install a, a toolbar um, and now you're going to get something else as well. So I would just be very cautious of, of where you're downloading things. So but needless to say, one way or another, it happened. Um, 
what do you do? We, we've actually, unfortunately, David, you and I have gotten a few emails about this recently. Well, I think the first thing to do is to understand that you actually have a problem because it's not obvious to a lot of folks. Once you install this stuff, they they do a pretty good job of being pretty unintrusive. And well, and e- the- except for when they're just popping up in your face. Yeah. And, I mean, there, and, there are a couple of different kinds, the stealth kind and the kind that are just like all all up at you. Yeah. So it, like we were saying earlier, the good news is usually this is something that you installed yourself. And I guess we can talk in a minute about things that you don't install yourself because that's a whole nother breed. But when it's something you've installed yourself, um, you can go and find the application, um, which will probably be in your applications folder but not necessarily and um and remove it and that's a start but that doesn't mean that you've you've solved the problem entirely generally there's some pieces that are going to be left behind and i'm going to put links in the show notes to a couple of different resources one being from apple themselves uh, and then a couple of resources from the safe mac website um, as well as a adware scanning and downloading tool that or a, 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 a downloadable tool to scan for adware that you can look at that, that gives you some tips for for manually going through and removing adware uh, if it's not something that you're comfortable for for uh, downloading a tool and, and removing. Yeah. And if you're going to go with a tool, I would recommend the Adware Medic at the Safe Mac, which seems to be kind of a vetted and trusted source right. that will go through and do a better job of finding the things you might miss. Yeah. But one of the common problems, David, is if you've got something in your applications folder and you either can't remove it or you remove it. And as soon as you restart, it just pops right back up again. Yeah. Um, and that's typically because something has either installed itself in your login items and is just reinstalling itself every time you launch, or it's installed itself in one of your launch D services. And, you know, again, just every time you restart, you're, you're reinfecting yourself. And if it's in, if it's in your launch startup items, that's very easily fixable by a normal user. You just go into, I'm going to have to do it as I say, system preferences, users and groups, I believe. And uh, go to your user account and look at login items and see if there's anything there that doesn't look like it belongs there. And you can remove it right there. Uh, mm-hmm. If it goes into your Launch D, uh, you're, that's that's why I am recommending the Safe Mac website, because the tools they have there will dig deeper. Yeah. Uh, you can also manually remove some things from your Launch Agents folder is, is another option. Um, I also suggest that you go into Activity Monitor. Uh, and that will show you everything that's currently running on your Mac. So, you know, quit all of your known things, you know, quit your mail app, quit your word processors, quit Skype, quit whatever it is you've got going, uh, quit your browsers, and then go into Activity Monitor and, and see what's running um, and do a quick check through there to see, you know, is there some unknown process that's running in the background that perhaps you didn't intend to start? Maybe you did start it, but you didn't necessarily intend to start it and you can you can force quit those processes. And what I'd caution there, though, is don't assume that because you don't recognize the name, it's something malicious, because there's usually a lot of stuff in there that Apple's running in the background that you all have no idea what it is, but it needs to be there. And you could cause all sorts of havoc if you start shutting those things down. In fact, if there's something there that looks fishy to you, it's not a bad idea just to Google that service name and then see what comes up because it may tell you oh this is what apple you know runs to make sure that time machine can do its backup or whatever yeah you know one trick that when my dad installed something that he didn't intend to uh when i was going through and and trying to make sure that i removed all of the little pieces of it um is when i did a spotlight search you know by default spotlight 
doesn't look into hidden files. It doesn't look into system files. Um, it really doesn't look into, honestly, all the files and all the places that you want to look for uh, when you're looking for something like this. So there's an option within Spotlight when you're searching. Uh, you can get a little more advanced and a little more granular in your search. Um, and there's a drop-down menu where you can uh, tell Spotlight to show system files uh, when you're searching. Or I, I believe it's kind is system file. And then I did a further modification because I knew in that particular case um, that it was modified or it was created that particular day. And so I think I did searches both for modified today and created today to try to help me narrow down specifically what were all the files that were created and modified today. And then when I narrowed it down to, oh, this happened at, you know, 3.42 p.m., uh, I, I was able to say, OK, and, and that gave me a couple more names that I could then create keyword searches off of. Yeah. Did Were you able to successfully, uh, you know, fumigate your dad's computer without using like one of the safe uh, Mac uh, utilities? You know, this actually occurred before I found safe Mac. So uh, the short answer is yes, I was able to. Uh, but then once I learned about safe Mac from our recent episode, um, I did go back and run that on his machine just to confirm that I hadn't left anything behind. Uh, and it confirmed that he was clean. Okay. Well, so, hey, you did the job, Katie Floyd. So I did it, but I did, I did, uh, I did instill fear into him, um, and I, I stayed back there working on his machine a lot longer than it actually took, you know, and and was like, you could lose all of your files, Dad. Everything could be gone. Everything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that you know, if um, I could see how you could really freak somebody out, Katie, if you really set your mind to it. Like, you don't understand all of your personal information is now somewhere else. I, I don't know. That could be true. I think you could sell that. I think yeah. you could do that. <laughs> all right. So hopefully he's not going to go and just willy-nilly install things in the future. And, you know, maybe this is a result of the success of iOS because people, uh, you know, everybody before iOS was just completely panicked about installing anything on their computer. And that's why, you know, people would be running a 10-year-old copy of Photoshop. Or, uh, you know, whatever. Well, actually, they may have a separate reason for running a 10-year-old copy of Photoshop. But uh, but people just would not install apps. And then when the iPhone comes around and you can just start installing apps by p- clicking a button, it shows up and everything works. And then you bring that over to the Mac App Store and people can do the same thing. I think people are a lot more cavalier about installing things on their computer than they used to. Yeah. Uh, and you alluded this earlier. I mean, forget about adware um, and malware, although I know that I mean, what, what about true viruses? Although I, I know these are all the semantics at this point and we're probably not using this terminology correctly. I mean, are we seeing much of those on the Macs? I haven't. I've heard about them occasionally. I mean, every time we talk about it on the show, we get an email from one or two people that have said that they've been infected. But, you know, the Mac's not a very big target. And I don't think it's that easy to get them installed, but you know, there's always that, but right. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do. Um, I, I, and we talked about this a little bit on the, the MPU live show recently. I tend to not run antivirus on my machines because for me, I have found that that's a case where uh, the cure can sometimes be worse than the disease uh, running some kind of antivirus, especially an antivirus that is doing active scanning um, can you know slow down my Mac and, and throw up more false positives than other things. 
But there is a case to be said, certainly, for running antivirus on the Mac. Um, number one, you can catch things. Uh, and number two, even if you're just catching, you know, Windows viruses that are on email attachments and things, there's something to be said about maybe being a good net citizen and, and clearing out those things, even if your Mac itself isn't going to be susceptible, uh, you know, especially if you're in a shared environment or if you're on a um, if you're in a work-related environment, there, there may be IT protocols that require that you run some kind of antivirus. Uh, the one that I have chosen um, is I've chosen uh, ClamXAV, which is free. It's available in the Mac App Store. Um, and then there's, there's also uh, a direct download that you can download outside of the Mac App Store. The two main differences between the Mac App Store version and the direct download version is that the direct download version has something that I think they call the Century which um like a centurion type guard guy that um will actively monitor certain folders so you can say monitor my downloads folder monitor my desktop folder um so it will do an active on demand scan anytime something changes in particular directories whereas the mac app store version is a um a complete you know user must initiate the scan and for me that's fine I am, uh, you know, we always talk about Clamex every time this comes up. So I, in prep for the show, I started looking around and talking to some friends. I have a friend who's an authorized um, technician, you know, from one of these third-party companies. And he was saying that he thinks Sophos is a really good option, S-O-P-H-O-S. I haven't used it. I'm hesitant to recommend it on the show because I've never used it. But um, I think that's, if you want to look at another one, that's one you might want to take a look at. Okay. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. Yeah. Well, so, um, so, the, you know, the, the end of the story, uh, we're at episode nearly 250 of the Mac power users and Katie and I, neither are running virus software. So I guess that that's a good thing, right? That, I think so. Yeah. So I mean, the day could come. I, I'm not against virus software. You know, I don't have a religious fervor, but uh, I don't see that the cost benefit stacks up for me right now. It may stack up for you out there, but it doesn't stack up for me, at least at this time. Well, speaking of right now, what can you do right now? Presumably you're not infected with something. What can you do right now to prevent uh, some kind of malware or virus infection on your Mac or probably more importantly on your loved one's Macs? There's a lot of things you can do. Uh, the first is just kind of education. Um, I, I think a lot of people listening to the show are going to understand that when they hit a website that says your computer slow, you know, install the software so we can make it fast for you, that that is complete nonsense. And but make sure that the people in your family know as well. You know, it's just like um, <laughs> and this is sounds silly, but when my kids were little, we would do these role plays with the kids. Uh, you know, to avoid someone abducting them, you know. And, and yeah, if, think, if a stranger comes up to you and says, I have toys at my house, would you like to come see them? Yeah. Or even more importantly, the, what I tell my kids, because if you, yeah, a friend of mine is a police officer, is what they always do is they ask for help. Because what do little kids want to do? They want, they want to help people. And I said, an adult does not need your help. If an adult comes to you and says he needs help finding a bunny rabbit, he can find it on his own. You don't need his help. He doesn't need your help. So we would kind of role play that. I think the same goes for these these viruses. The Internet is not out to help you make your computer faster or better. So anytime you get one of those notices, um, just move along and uh, make sure the people in your family know that. And um, because that is an increasing thing. It is the vector that these people are getting onto the computers. I haven't seen that they've done anything particularly nefarious. I mean, I, I'm not aware of them using it to, like, download all your contacts and 
and, you know, get your credit cards and all that. But it is pretty terrible when every time you turn on your computer, your screen becomes a big rolling advertisement. So, um, you know, get the word out to people and tell them, don't type in your user password on something that comes off the Internet. If you think you need to call me first. Because the time it takes for you to answer that phone call and tell them no is a lot less time than it's going to take you to sort it out when they just do it. Um, the other big thing you can do is obviously stay up to date, you know, keep up to date with um, software updates, keep up that will keep up to date uh, with the, the gatekeeper updates and security updates. You know, Apple's going to be taking care of a lot of this behind the scenes for you. Um, and you want to make sure that, you know, you tighten up some of your restrictions just um, in the OS, you know, for example, I like to make sure that on all of the Macs that I'm responsible for looking out for, that that option to open safe files in Safari is turned off. It was on by default in a couple of operating systems. Honestly, I don't know if it still is or not because I always turn it off. Um, but you want to make sure that open safe files is off. That will keep things from automatically unzipping and launching when you uh, download them. Yes, and that's in the Safari preferences. And more importantly, turn it off on all your family members' computers. Because right. if you're if you're listening to our show, you probably know when you can click OK and not. But boy, if if people who aren't real big nerds just have something open on their computer and say type in your password, uh, quite often they're just going to do it. So don't give them that option. Yeah. Um, you know, another one I was thinking about uh, to kind of keep an eye on things is Little Snitch, and we've talked about that in the past on the show. Um, little snitch monitors your outgoing traffic. So if you've got something on your computer that is suddenly phoning out a lot with information, uh, little snitch should be a, a good kind of way to keep an eye on things, make sure there's nothing, uh, untoward going on. Yeah. And, uh, and keep in mind, you said this, but I just want to repeat it. Little snitch monitors what's going out, not what's coming in. So it's kind of a reverse firewall. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's a good way to capture things that are happening already. Like if you have, um, if you've downloaded something and it's sending information out and you don't know what the app is, that's something that's worth taking a minute to take a closer look at. Yeah. Um, we've talked about open DNS extensively on the show before. Uh, you can use that to filter websites. I've installed open DNS like on my um, grandparents' computers because they are not very uh, web savvy. Uh, and that, that has saved our bacon a few times because he's clicked on links and open DNS has said, ah, nope, 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 not, not opening this. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's really uh, nice when you get that notice from open DNS. And, and on that point, just be careful where you browse. I mean, you start you know, clicking around the internet, you can get into one of the dark recesses and get in trouble. Yeah. What they call it in Harry Potter, there's um, Diagon Alley. Diagon and Alley. No Nocturne, Nocturne Alley. Alley. That's yeah, right. Don't, don't go to Nocturne Alley on the internet because that can send all kinds of weird things to your computer. Yeah. And then, you know, one I, I thought about mentioning, and I got to admit, I, I have mixed thoughts about this is, you know, using some kind of ad blocker because a lot of these things do come in through ads or using some kind of flash blocker. Uh, no mm. comment. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of those because I make my living on the internet. I know, I, I do too. I do too, and that's why I have mixed emotions. I, I feel better about a flash blocker than I do about an ad blocker. Yeah, or you yeah. know, or, or like a click to flash plugin or something like that because I, I really don't need to see, need to see autoplay flash videos. Or you know, you could just not have flash installed. Yeah, I, my flash blocker is called Safari. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't even have Flash installed on it. And and um, when I need Flash, I'll go over to Chrome. Uh, and I find very rarely do I actually need Flash. So 
that helps. Yeah, that's a good one. I, and that's a, that's a battery saver. That's a whole lot of things that that does for me. But the, um, but I, I do think just being careful um, is is going to get you a long way. And also be aware that it seems like there's a growing thing out on the Internet as the Mac platform gets more popular of people at least targeting with these kind of ad, you know, the ad sales. You know, I don't want to call it a virus. It's just this, this adware that they install on your computer. And so often, at least every instance I've seen of it so far involves people um installing it or you know typing in the password and not actually realizing what they're doing all right well i think we've gone on about that for a while um i do want to talk about uh, other things including what do you do when your password is compromised but before we do do you want to tell us about something a little happier i do i just um want to talk about our sponsor fracture and i just spent a bunch of money at fracture because uh, i really love what they do Uh, fracture is a company that takes a photo you send to them and then they print it out in color directly on glass. And when they ship it out, you get everything you need. It's got the photo, the digital art, and even the little nail to hang it in the wall. Uh, it looks amazing. It's very similar to the way, if you look at an iPad or an iPhone, how they laminate the the screen to the glass. So it almost looks like the image is right on top of the glass. That's what it looks like when you get your fracture print. And I always used to have trouble, you know, figuring out what kind of frame I'm going to put on a picture. I don't have to do that now. Fracture just sends me this this great looking piece of glass that has a beautiful picture on it. And they're starting to pop up all over my house. But uh, I've been um, I've been waiting to to get this little project done. I've had an OmniFocus forever, saying, you know, get my book covers in fracture prints. So I finally bit the bullet a few days ago. I went online. It took me all of about thirty minutes to get five different book covers. Um, submitted to print in fracture prints. And the process was really nice. When you upload the image, it's going to examine the image and let you know right away if it's an image that will work or not. Like if it's not high enough pixel count, it say, hey, this isn't going to, this is only going to work for this size frame or that size frame. So the, the process kind of walks you through to make sure you get what you want. And then uh, when you get to the end, uh, you click the button and they print it out and they ship it to you. You can get a five by five print for as little as $15. Um, the team is in Gainesville, Florida, over in Katie's neck of the woods. Um, but it's a really nice way to take your, your photographs and put them on the well, present them in your house. I mean, how many people have iPhoto libraries or photo libraries just full of digital photos and none of them are on the wall? Fractures are a great, great way to do that. Um, uh, then when they ship it to you, that's another thing I was really impressed with this company is you think they're going to ship me this big piece of glass. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to get it. And it's going to be a million pieces. These guys have got it figured out. I mean, they ship it in a very protected cardboard backing. When you get it, you just unpack it, pull it out of the cardboard, put the nail in the wall or the hook in the wall, whatever it is, depending on the size of fracture print you buy and you're good to go. So you can learn more over at fractureme.com and you can get 15% off with the promo code Mac 15. That's M A C one five. And uh, I recommend you do this if you've got a bunch of images on your computer and you want to start getting some on your walls. There's no better way than Fracture. Go check it out. All right. So the next topic I wanted to talk about in our when bad things happen, we should have like um, spooky music or something. Yeah, maybe really dun, dun, dun. reverb or whatever. Yes, music. Yeah. yeah. Um, is what do you do when your password gets compromised? And it could depend on, you know, I think we'll have to talk about it depends on which password gets compromised and, and how many passwords you have that get compromised using the same one before. Um, 
But it it happens. It happens a lot because how many times have you gotten a notice from a site saying, oh, please reset your password? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the funny things about that is your passwords get compromised due to no fault of your own. And I think that that to me feels kind of like a new thing, but I'm sure it's always been going on. Well, maybe we're just more aware of it now, or maybe people are disclosing it a little more now because it's happening to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But it does happen. Well, and it happens because, you know, who knows why, you know, somebody was complacent, something got left on the server that shouldn't, something got left open, somebody got hacked. But how bad this is really depends on, number one, what got compromised, and number two, what your password policies are. Um, If your password to a site got compromised and you use that same password across a dozen different websites, that's a problem. Um, if your password got compromised and it's the only password that you use for that site and it means absolutely nothing, not so much of a big deal. Um, but well, well, let's get to that in a minute, but first let's just talk a little bit about how do these passwords get compromised? And, and you just alluded to one of the biggest ways they get compromised is password reuse. As soon as you start using the same password in multiple places, uh, you know, I, I don't know the math on this, but I would guess it's almost an exponential calculation of how much more likely it is to show up or get compromised because it just takes one place and then it's compromised everywhere. Well, because let, let's say somebody gets a hold of a passwords from XYZ site and, you know, I'm not going to name anybody's names, but pick one. We all, we all know all the major sites that have gotten passwords compromised recently. But so your password on this particular site gets compromised. So now whoever the bad guys are um, have a list of usernames generally and passwords generally um, that work on this particular site. Sometimes it's a username, sometimes it's an email address, sometimes it's just passwords. You know, so what are they going to do? They're now going to take that information that they have. Um, they're going to get everything they can off of this particular site that's been compromised. And then they're going to start going to use it other places. And, you know, so maybe now instead of, um, you know, the password for this particular retail establishment being compromised, which is bad enough, you know, now they're going to go take it and they're going to start trying to to plug it into all of the various banks or plug it into all of the major, you know, email uh, providers. And if, you know, uh oh, if your if your username was your email address and they got your email address and your password, well, you can guess that they're probably going to go try it at your, you know, at the, the webmail site for your email address to see well, what if this password opens their email too because for a lot of people it does yeah it's i almost think that email passwords are the most dreadful password you know problem you can have if somebody gets your email password it just gives them so many vectors into your life well and Um, it's it's harder to recover from yeah the the other way they can get the password is a brute force attack where you know there's people out there that are pretty smart and if the password system isn't secure enough People can throw the entire dictionary at the password field and just see what happens. And I would have made fun of that a while ago. I would have said, ah, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. The people who make these websites are smart enough to set them up in a way that you can't just throw the dictionary at it. But as I understand, and I don't have all the details, as I understand some of those hackings that took place with the celebrity photos in iCloud was that's one of the ways they got in was brute force attacks. Well, and and they're also social engineering attacks too, David. It, it, even if you have a good password, if your security questions aren't very good, because a lot of times you can reset your password, you know, based on knowing a couple of security questions. And so if you're relatively 
well-known, um, and all I need to do is reset your security questions, those things tend to be typically easy things, you know, like what was your high school mascot or, you know, what city did you grow up in? Um, I, I believe there was a famous or not, you know, a, a fairly well-known uh, Sarah Palin email account hack when, when she was a vice presidential candidate that was all of the information was obtained like off of her Wikipedia page. I'm actually aware of that, having now recorded something like 350 hours of podcast audio. Yeah. There's a lot of information about me out there. And so, like, when I see those fields, one of the things I always do is I just have one password generate another, you know, password, and I put it in, into the answer of the fields. What's your first pet's name? X723 dash, you know, apostrophe, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I just save a screenshot of that, and I save it to one password as well. You can save a screenshot, one password, so I can get that stuff later. Well, but, um, I, I do tell you, because sometimes you have to repeat those over the phone. I, I do try to use the make pronounceable character. Yeah. So but, w- what is your dog's name? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We all know that your dog's name is Batleth Hunter. Yeah, that's that's my dog's name. Or Targ. No, yeah, Targ. <laughs> hey, I did, a, uh, I did an episode. Or, or the, cat, the cat named Neelix. Did you know I did a uh, episode no. of Random Trek? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I did. They let you on that show? Yeah, I know. They're desperate. Oh. It was fun. That's it hasn't so aired wrong. yet. I'll let you know what it does. You'll have to tell me off, off offline what, what episode you got. I did the DS9, a DS9 episode. Anyway. Oh, okay. But anyway, so... um, uh, You, you so, say that like there's only one DS9 episode ever. That's true. Well, okay. I, I did I did one of the better ones, so we'll we'll talk about it. But okay. anyway, at the... um. Uh, and and, and the next Mac Power users, I will be criticizing David's critique of DS9. I was very complimentary. It was a I, I liked DS9. I watched that whole series okay. when it when it ran, and that was one of the fun things about the show. Is the last time I saw it was when it ran in 1997. So it was kind of fun going back there and seeing oh, it. So that, that it held that, up well. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. We were talking about pet names. I also made the observation that DS9 was the Game of Thrones of Star Wars. Because I hope just, you didn't there, say that. I did because there's just so many different factions and things going on. It's much more complicated than a lot of the Star Wars. I'm sorry, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, another way people get your password is phishing attempts, and uh, these are uh, something you need to watch out for. Quite often, you'll get an email that says, "Hey, your PayPal account is locked up," or I've seen a lot of interesting ones lately from people saying, um, well, "I got one saying, hey, your website is." Um, is violating some rule at Google and we need you to just type in your password so we can go in and fix it for you. <laughs> and it's just like all, all kinds of weird, crazy stuff people do out there. Um, don't put your password in response to any email you ever receive. I think okay. I tried to think of an exception to the rule and I just couldn't. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty simple way to avoid that problem. Right. Well, so what do you do? And I think this is one of those that the answer is it, it depends. I mean, some of these are going to be the same regardless, but but how bad this is depends on exactly what gets compromised. Um, I put a couple of links in the show notes to, uh, do you remember when Matt Hahn got uh, attacked a couple, uh, I think it was like Matt in 2012? Ha- Matt Honan, yeah. Honan, epic, was it Honan? The epic, hang- the epic hacking of yeah. Matt Honan, yeah. Okay. I thought it was pronounced Han, but if it's Honan, I apologize. I, I don't know. That's from memory. But, the, okay. um, but yeah, so they got his... They started with his Amazon account, if memory serves, and then got to his Apple account, deleted all the pictures of his kid. I mean, it was just 
brutal. Well, they, they, they used uh, Find My Mac to wipe his computer. Can you imagine sitting there and looking at your computer wipe itself out across the room? Yeah, I think they wiped his computers and his iOS devices, but basically by getting access to his Apple ID. Now, not necessarily as a direct result of that, but I'm sure somewhat inspired by that and a couple of the other celebrity incidences, uh, which were you know widely popularized. Uh, Apple, thankfully, um, and others have taken s- some steps to make some stronger security measures that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later in our how do you prevent this section that makes things like this harder. Okay, so getting back, what do you do when you find your email is compromised? Cry. <laughs> okay, and then after your tears, after you have no more tears. What Actually, do you, do? you don't have time to cry. You need to act. Yeah. So, so exactly. stop crying. No. Yeah. Um, so the first thing you need to do is is you need to try to get control. Um, a lot of these email accounts will will have ways to get back in, whether it's through some kind of backdoor that hopefully you set up, whether it's a an e- a password reset if you can get back in uh, by using your. If I were to hack your email account, the first thing that I would do is I would get in and then change your password. Some people aren't that smart. Um, sometimes they just get in and then you can get back in and then immediately reset your password. Um, sometimes you've got to uh, reset your password by sending some kind of verification from an alternate email address. Sometimes you've actually got to get on the phone and call people. But the, the first thing you've got to do is find a way to get back control of the account and then get the password reset to just stop the damage. Yeah. And if you're dealing with a vendor that has a phone, use it. I mean, like Apple, you can call Apple. Yeah, there's people that will help you. Um, I'm not sure if that's true with Google, um, but a lot of it, like your local Internet service provider. I mean, uh, you should not wait to get on the phone if there is a phone and a human that can help you. Well, and and that's maybe one reason to use for your primary email account. One of these services where you can get on the phone with a person. Yeah. Um, When I when I had an issue earlier this year with my um, Apple email account, it wasn't super easy. But within about 30 minutes, I was able to get on the phone with a senior Apple engineer who was was very responsive. And we ultimately got it resolved. Yeah. Um, But but Katie's right. Get in there, uh, change the passwords. So kind of rest control of the account and and assess what kind of damage you suffered. And we're going to talk about, you know, what you do with that. But if it's your email take a look was were things deleted were things copied out i mean people could forward you know take a look at your sent email because you may have sent a bunch of email you're not aware of or forwarded emails with like your banking information or something to some other account um so you know sleuth it a little bit and going in your sent emails folder is a good way to start that yeah i think you also want to look at what came in because people who have access to your email account, your email account is used as a password reset for a lot of different vectors. So if if your primary email account was hacked, that's the gateway to get access to so many other services. You know, for example, can they get access to your Twitter account or to your Dropbox account or to any of another number of services by sending a password reset request? I mean, how many times have people reset passwords or have you reset your password legitimately um, by sending an email? So I would say look in your deleted items, look in your archive items, look in your sent items, see what has happened during the period of time um, that you didn't have access to your email. It, it is possible that, that things have gotten deleted. So be aware of that. I think if your email account has gotten compromised, you need to assume the worst because whoever compromised it may have covered their tracks. Yeah. But, but there's nothing wrong with looking in what was received, what was deleted, because there could very well be an email in there from Twitter saying, Hey, we got your request to reset your password. Click this link and you're good to go. 
Yeah. Well, then you know, you know that your your Twitter account has now been compromised. And if you're not using two-factor authentication, you could go into Twitter and do the exact same thing over again. And then you'll get the email to your newly password, password reset email, and you'll be able to get it back. Um, but um, take some time and, and go through and look at the account very carefully. Right. Um, if you're Apple, um, anything else on if your email is? Oh, the other no. thing is is you probably need to let people know. Yeah. If your if your email was compromised, it's just so terrible because they could have got your address book. I mean, there's just so much information in your email. Yeah, so I, I think just as a courtesy, you probably need to let people know to say, "Hey, look, my my email was compromised. I apologize for anything that you may have received, and I apologize in advance for anything that may happen as a result of this." And I think your email, if we haven't made as big a deal as to how bad it can be when your email account is is attacked, just as a uh, you know, just as a, a public duty that you have to others to to keep their information secure. All right. So uh, another one that's that's critical is your Apple ID. Oh, and, and this is what happened to Matt Hahn or Honan yeah. or whatever we're, you know. Now is, I'm really curious. I'll have to look it up during the next half read. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if, if your Apple ID is compromised, this is a potential nightmare scenario. And I do want to stress that Apple has put into place additional security mechanisms to prevent something like this from happening, namely two-factor authentication. So I think that is an, I'm pref, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but. I you know what, we should talk about that right now, because that's kind of the 800-pound gorilla with okay. all of this. Turn two-factor authentication on everywhere. Anywhere that you can. Yeah. And it's it's available in a lot of places now. And the way that works is when you go to log in from a new computer or reset a password, it's going to send you. And the, the most common method is they send a little code to your phone, like a four digit number. And they're like, OK, uh, to get your new password, you also need to type in this super secret number. We're going to we're going to text to you. And that is that's that stops a lot of people in their tracks like the Matt Honan deal. If. He had two-factor authentication. It wasn't available to him at the time, so you can't hold that against him. But if, he, if, it, if it was available and they had it turned on, the hackers never would have got his Apple ID account because his phone would have got that four-digit number, not the hackers. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that if you set up two-factor authentication, this replaces the three security questions on your Apple account? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and you can also set up a, a recovery key when you have two-factor authentication. This is like your emergency escape hatch for um, if you lose your trusted device, i.e. your phone, um, to get that second authentication code. This is like a, a code that you can keep in the safe at your house um, that is your is your emergency escape hatch to get back in. And off the top of my head, I can think of Apple does this. Google supports it really well. Dropbox. Evernote. Evernote. Dropbox. Uh, Twitter. I mean, they, uh, most of the big services like this are going to support it. So if you've been putting that off, um, turn off the podcast right now. Pause it. Uh, you have to turn it off. Go, okay, pause it. Whatever. Go, go set those up. Then make yourself a nice, cool drink because you've earned it. And then you can resume. I think you should get a cookie. Okay. Two cookies. Yeah, you can get two cookies. All right. Welcome back. Now that you've you've taken care of that, we can continue. So, yeah, with Apple ID, make sure you have two-factor authentication turned on, and it's going to make it much less likely for you having to um, to deal with this password compromise. Um, but if it does get compromised, it's the same thing. Get on the phone with Apple immediately. Find out what you bought. 
because you don't know what they've purchased as they had access. Right. Check and, your purchases. Um, and reset everything, you know. Yeah, you've got to reset your your Apple ID. Um, in in the event of either of these, whether it be your email account that's compromised, whether it be your Apple ID that's compromised, um, whether it be a, a major password to a, a major account that is compromised, there are a couple of things that, that you're going to want to do. Um, number one, I, I think you're probably going to want to check your app authorizations, for example, um, you know, like like Twitter or Dropbox or all of your major services, you need to go through and see, okay, do I still have access? Does it still work? Maybe even make the, take this opportunity to change your passwords. I would go through and change all of your mission critical passwords and see whether any new apps have been authorized to access those services. Um, yeah. And also check your credit cards and your, your account information, because sometimes once they get in, they cause havoc there as well. Right. Um, and I would say be on the watch out for identity theft, you know, check your credit reports. Um, and then I would check them again a couple of months later just to be sure. And again, the the level that you're going to dig into this depends on what was compromised. You know, if, if your password to, you know, a, a site where you bought a pair of pants gets compromised and you don't have your credit card saved on that particular website and you used a strong, unique password for that site that you don't use anywhere else, well, then go change your password and be done with it. But if if one of your major passwords got cracked that you used on several sites or a password to a major service or a financial institution got cracked, then you're going to need to go do some cleanup and damage control. I was just oh, my daughter is, you know, she's getting older. She's buying stuff online. And I was talking to her about this. I said, anytime you see the little checkbox that says, go ahead and keep my credit card information. Make sure that's unchecked. It's just so easy. They So often these websites have it checked on by default, and I know their goal is to make it easier for you to spend money there in the future. But why do you want to give that information to some third party to hold for you? Yeah, I think Amazon is the only place that I keep it, and I have a separate card that I use almost exclusively on Amazon. Apple Pay can't come soon enough. I know. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and Apple. Apple has it for Apple Pay. But yeah. Okay. Um all right. So how can you prevent uh, passwords being compromised? First is two-factor authentication wherever possible. Yes, that's that's a big one. So um, I would say go through right now and see all the sites that you can use two-factor authentication and, and go ahead and, and turn it on. And like anything, it's convenience versus security, but this is a big security bonus. Also, uh, you know, use strong and unique passwords. Uh, this is This is really, you know, what we're doing here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're gonna turn. in fact i think one password is a sponsor today yeah. you want to just talk about one password? I, I will after this yes <laughs> okay but the um so you know you want to have a system that has unique passwords at every location for that reason katie said when we started this discussion is you know what the goal is when you find out your password's been compromised you only have to deal with it at that one place and not 20 other places and like I, I recently had, I was notified that a password compromise at an Apple scripting site where I subscribed to the forums. And I was like, okay, that's great. I can fix that. And I didn't really have to do anything because I didn't care if someone logged in with me and asked dumb questions about Apple script. I just reset the password and started over again. And I knew that that was nowhere else. And that's a pretty good feeling, I'll tell you, uh, and uh, having experienced it myself. So get, you know, strong and unique separate passwords. Um, uh you know, try and use non-guessable recovery questions because like Katie said, people will social engineer around it. If if you talk about, if you have a, a Twitter account devoted to your dog and one of the questions is, what's your dog's name? Yep. Uh, some people will figure that out. 
if they want to get to you bad enough. Um, what else could they do? Yeah, I think, um, and, and you got to weigh uh, security and privacy with this, but for certain services, I give them a recovery phone number as well as I have a second recovery email address that I own, that number one, I have two-factor authentication set up with, um, and that I only use for purposes of recoveries that I don't have associated with anything else. So I have a super secret email address that I, I only use in case of catastrophe for recovery purposes. Batlithhunter at gmail.com. That's it. Yep. So that's a really good idea. So, so you have a separate recovery email. So when, um, if someone's going to go in to whatever.com and say, my name is Katie Floyd, please send me a password reset. It's not going to come to your usual email address. It's going to go to something entirely different. Yep. I'm going to go to super secret email at starfleet.com. Yes. That's good. I Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, which also has two factor authentication enabled on it. You're a pretty clever geek, Katie Floyd. I am. I do have my ways. Um, um, and so when I get when I get email from oh, and that email account, by the way, does not forward to other email accounts because that would kind of defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? I think you should have it. Um, also have a red klaxon go off. Like yeah. you could hook it up to your hue lights. Mm, uh, no, hue went back. We'll talk about that later. The hue lights went back. So any yeah I I don't know about that. We're, let's put that on our live show list cuz I have a I have I have a I have grievances to air about this. Okay. All right, we'll put it uh, on the live show but, list. But the um but yeah, you could have your hue lights turn red anytime an email comes into that. That could actually be a thing. It it could be for some people, but not me. Except for you who Except sent yours me, back. Who sent mine back? Yeah. Um yeah, and so recovery phone numbers and recovery email addresses. And because sometimes you do have to get, you know, sometimes if you're actually going to get a person on the phone, you have to authenticate with some information. All right. Um, let's talk <laughs> just because <laughs> we've got a just great because, sponsor. Because we're here anyway. Let's let's talk about um, yeah. our, our sponsor for this episode. And I promise this wasn't planned. Um, but that is our good friends over at 1Password. And, and if this show has not stressed the reason for using an app like 1Password, uh, I don't know what is. But for everything that we talked about in the previous section, uh, 1Password can provide you a solution because 1Password will help you create and store these strong, unique passwords so that there is no reason to use the same password across multiple sites. So how can 1Password help you and your loved ones solve this problem? Number one, we already talked about, it's going to help you create these strong passwords. It's going to store them in a safe place. Uh, Number two, They've got this feature called security audit that's going to tell you when you're using the same passwords over and over and over again across multiple sites. So if you've got a password that you're duplicating, it's going to say, "Er, you've used this password 47 times. You might want to find another password besides Target Hunter uh, to use. And so you can go through and prioritize those sites. Um, it gives you ways that you can categorize your sites. So I think I told you that I have a, a category I've assigned called Red Alert. That Those are my mission critical sites. Like I've got my bank site, my Dropbox site, you know, sites that if something happened and something got compromised, you know, if I've only got a couple of minutes to devote to this before something happens, those are the sites that I want to go in and I want to prioritize and I want to make sure before anything else gets done, those are the sites that I'm going to make sure that I update. Uh, 1Password can help you tag and, and, and find those sites to make sure that you prioritize them. Uh, 1Password can also help you store those things like those security questions that we talked about. 
I store them in the notes field. David likes to take a screenshot and attach them to it. That's fine. Either of those will work because both information that you store in the notes field as well as attachments will sync across to all of your devices. Uh, whether it be a Mac, whether it be a PC, whether it be an iPhone, whether it be iPad, you can sync uh, with uh, iCloud. You can sync with Dropbox. Lots of options there. Um, so 1Password is, is going to help you with all that. 1Password uh, will now also help you with those two-factor authentication codes so you can you can do everything in one site so uh, one password is is a great app um, there's really I can't think of any reason not to use it um, and and so we'll talk a little bit later in the show about maybe some tips for using one password more securely I mean it's definitely something that you want to make sure that if you're going to use it uh, that in the case that very bad things happen uh, that you've got a good backup of your one password database and that you have a way to access it because, you know, if your computer is gone, if your computer gets wiped, um, you know, if your Dropbox gets compromised, you, you want to make sure that don't worry about your 1Password data getting compromised because it's encrypted, but just make sure that you have a way to get access to it. So we'll talk about those types of things a little later. Uh, but if you haven't yet, go check them out. And uh, thanks to 1Password for their support of the show. Um, so next is uh, lost or stolen Mac and iPhone, which happens. I, I just got a call last weekend from a client who was in San Francisco and had his rental car and went into a restaurant to pick up some take-up food and walked out. And in the few minutes he was inside the restaurant, someone took a hammer to the window of his rental car and reached in and pulled his bag with his fancy MacBook Pro in it and took off. And so he says, what do I do? You know, and so that's something you really can't prevent. I mean, there are some things that can happen like the, I think I wrote about one of my books, um, uh, a law enforcement friend of mine was telling me about the the two person snatch and grab that they do in like coffee shops. And usually it's like, you know, a pear shaped geek like me sitting there working. And then a very attractive woman comes up and starts talking to you. And of course you talk to them because, you know, we're men and we're dumb and, and they distract you one way or another. And someone else grabs the computer and is three blocks away before you even realize this happened. Um, so th there's things you can do to protect yourself. But in a lot of ways you can't. Maybe it just falls out of your pocket. Um, what do you do when you find out your Mac or your iPhone is suddenly gone? Cry. I've there's had, a lot of crying there's, going on. There's today. a lot of crying going on here yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, you don't have time to cry. You've got to yeah. spring into action. Yeah. And, and Apple's made it easier now with some of these later features we have. Um, they, they have, but you have to turn them on and, and yeah. we'll talk about that. But uh, hopefully you've you've listened to Mac Power users and you've already activated Find My Mac, Find My iPhone, Find My iPad. They really need to come up with a better name so we don't have to say all three all the time. Yeah. Is there going to be a Find My Apple Watch? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I don't it, think doesn't, it, would work it doesn't have it doesn't its own radio. radios. Yeah. 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 Well, soon. Soon there will be. In a couple of years. But, yeah. um, but you, you, really, there's no reason not to have that stuff turned on on your devices. I'm not sure why it's not on by default. I guess there's probably, I don't know why. But it's Well, I think on. it's maybe a, a security or privacy issue. You know, the, the only reason I can think that people might say not to have it on um, is the Matt Hahn, I'm going to keep calling him that, situation where someone compromised. It's Honan, by the way. Is it Honan? Okay. I looked it up. Sorry. Is the Matt Honan situation where somebody compromised his Apple ID and then wiped his machines. But we're going to talk later. There's a fix for that, too. Um, yeah. But, 
you know, that's the only possible excuse I can think of. But if you've got all your ducks in a row, that's not even a good excuse anymore. So I think if you haven't got it turned on, once again, you're going to have to pause the podcast right here. Yep. Go to all the devices in your house and all of your family members and turn it on and give each one of them. Well, we've had enough sugar today. Why don't we say a pear? If you have a pear. Okay. Or an apple. A, a piece of fruit. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, and then come back. Welcome back. And thank you for doing that. Now. Yes. So you've got it turned on. That solves a lot of problems. So what happens if suddenly, like like my friend, he comes back and finds his Mac has been taken, but he does have Find My Mac turned on. There's a lot of steps he can take. First, he can log in and have it phone home. You know, next time it connects to the internet, he can make things happen. Like he can have it wipe the hard drive. Yeah, but be careful about that because be cautious about wiping your device too prematurely. Um, you know, you can now put your device in what's called lost mode. Yeah. And especially if you have file vault enabled and especially, um, with newer devices and with iOS eight, your data is encrypted on your device. So unless they have your password and hopefully your password isn't one, two, three, four, um, unless they have your password, if, if your device is put into lost mode successfully, and you have a password on your phone that, and, and by when I say phone, I'm using iPad interchangeably, by the way, um, people aren't going to be able to access your data because your data is encrypted until that phone is taken out of loss mode. Yeah. And, and you're seeing numbers in the news now that the, the crooks are getting, are figuring out that it's, it's not as easy to steal an iPhone and, you know, repurpose it for sale. And it's, it's resulting in fewer of them getting stolen. Well, it's a result of activation lock because these yeah. these devices are locked. Now, the problem is, is once you, you at some point, you may get to the point where you decide that we're calling this a lost cause and I'm going to go ahead and remote erase the device. And that's fine. You, you may decide that at some point you get there. But from the point in time that you remote erase the, the device, you're, you're no longer going to be able to track it. Yeah. So and- I, I would say don't erase the device until you're ready to call it. And I don't know what the result of remote erase is for the crook. Does that mean that they can then reformat it and then sell it? I mean, it may be the case. I don't know. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an Apple article that discusses that. I, I have heard that go both ways. I, I think the answer is no with activation lock because they actually have to unlock it. But then I've also, I know that, I know that the activation is no when it's in lost mode. Um, even if it ultimately dies and runs out of power without the password in lost mode, it can't be reactivated. Um, but I'm not sure about once it's been erased. You also need to report this to the police, obviously, and Apple. Yeah. Um, uh, filing a police report can do a couple of things. Number one, you may need it later for insurance reasons or, um, you know, just to prove that it was it was stolen. And Apple maintains a database. I've put a link to it in the show notes that if Apple ever comes across that device, you know, they're going to run a serial number check. And if Apple comes across that device and finds that it's stolen, um, number one, they're going to refuse to service it. And number two, you may actually end up getting it back. So if whoever, you know, steals your iPhone at some point, you know, drops it and cracks the screen and shows up in an Apple store to try to get it replaced, uh, they've got another thing coming. Uh and at, at every Apple store, they have a trap door. So if someone <laughs> yes. actually brings one in, they get dropped into a Rancor pit. Perfect. And you don't get you don't get your phone back, but it's very entertaining. Yes. Um, but they send you so, the video, don't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in QuickTime format. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, so 
so ways to avoid this or, you know, things to help you. I think the big red underline here should be file vault. In the last month, I've had two separate conversations with people that should have known better telling me that they still haven't enabled file vault and they say, well, you know, it's so terrible. And I, you know, the old reputation of file vault, and I don't want to dwell on about this because we, we talk about this enough on the show, but uh, file vault really is great now. And it's not terrible. Like it was a few years ago and just turn it on. So turn it on. <laughs> I don't know what else to say in your Mac, turn your file vault on. Yeah, I think you I know, said it I, three times there. I heard a Mac podcaster say on a, on a show recently that and I'm putting words into his mouth a little bit, but he he couldn't think of a good reason to use File Vault on a on a Mac at your home, and I'm I think I disagree with that. Yeah, because you know there I will agree that there's a less compelling reason to use File Vault on a Mac that exclusively stays at your home, but bad things can happen to your Mac that stay at your home as well. And what is the what is the cost of it? The benefit of it is your Mac is locked down. What is the cost? I have I cannot tell any performance degradation at all. Well, the primary cost is if you're using it as a server and need to reboot it or something. But okay, how many people? I mean, I know that affects a lot of people who listen to this podcast. But in the real world, how many people does that affect? Okay, well, so. either way, it, it, you make your own big boy decisions. But turn file vault on really solves that problem with the Mac being sold. I mean, the whole idea of lost mode is they can't get in, but you want file vault enabled to make that work. Uh, with your iOS devices, it's the same thing. You've got to have a password. In, and then once you put a password on it, then it, it essentially locks it. And, and boy, I, I'm not, I hope I don't screw this up. But as I understand it, once you enable a security password, it does encrypt the device automatically as well. That's the, that's the condition to create the encryption, right? Yeah. And and by the way, just a, a support article that I'm going to put a link to in the show notes from from Apple, find my iPhone and activation lock. Um, it, it says find my uh, activate if you enable find my iPhone, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the short version is activation lock will continue even if you erase your device. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. All right. Um, get some insurance if you're going to be out there. Um, there are companies out there that sell insurance for your hardware devices. Um, so if you've got a $2,000 MacBook Pro you're carrying around, maybe it's worth spending 150 bucks a year to know that if it gets stolen, you've got someone will pay for a new one. Sometimes your renter's insurance or your homeowner's insurance will cover it, too. Um, and sometimes your credit cards, depending on if it was a fairly recent purchase or not, will cover yeah. that. Yeah. Um, other things that you can do to um, to mitigate this, obviously, if you if you can. I, I do want to caution people. Let me let me back up for a minute before we get there. You see a lot of stories now uh, on the Internet because because of Find My iPhone and because of Find My Mac, where people have kind of taken the law into their own hands and gone ch to chase down crooks who have stolen their devices. Uh, certainly, we do not want to discourage that. We, we don't want to encourage. Wait a second. Or, I'm sorry. I said that backwards. I said that backwards. <laughs> Certainly we want to discourage people from doing that. We, you don't, you do not want to take the law into your own hands and go chasing after, you know, the thief that stole your iPhone or the alleged thief who stole your iPhone. Um, it, it, that's just not a good idea. You need to leave the law enforcement to the professionals. It, it is, it is not worth your safety. Uh, nobody loves the Apple gear more than me, but I would not want to get shot over it. So no. be careful. No. Hey, um, did I tell you uh, one of my one of my very good friends who is an extremely honest person said that they got woken up at 2 a.m. with the police banging on their door saying they had tracked a stolen iPhone to their house. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It was just her and her husband, no kids, no nothing. I mean, um, I mean, so it the iPhone pr 
probably was nearby, but you know, that, that GPS, and especially if it's doing cellular triangulation, it's, it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. another thing you can do is put your name on the device for, you know, for people who are not trying to rip you off. I mean, sometimes you just leave your device somewhere. The, uh, like on my Mac, I always just, I print out a, a label with a label maker, a sticker with my name and my cell phone number on it. And I just stick it to the bottom of my Mac. I, I can't bring myself to do it to my phone because I don't want that ugly sticker on it. <laughs> but um, on my Mac, I've done that. And Are, I've, are you I've still caseless on your phone? Yeah, I, you know, okay. I've, I've kind of full circle. I, so <laughs> that's probably another good topic for the live show. But now my, my phone is naked as Johnny intended it. All right. So yeah, I've, I've done the same thing. I've, I've put a sticker on my phone. I'm uh, sorry, on my Mac, not on my phone. But if you're, if you don't want to put a sticker on it, although I think that's the best thing, you can also customize uh, your lock screen, both on your Mac and on your phone. On, on the Mac, that's very easy to do. And I hope they implement something like this on the phone. But on the Mac, if you go into system preferences under security and privacy, um, there's a little box that you can check to say show a message when screen is locked. And I just typed in there, um, this computer belongs to Katie Floyd, reward if found, and then my contact information. And um, on the iPhone and iPad, there are a couple of, you know, you can do something very similar. There are a couple of ways to do it. You know, the the free way to do that uh, is to just customize your lock screen. So to take whatever picture that you want to use on your, your iPhone home screen and, um, and, you know, just, you know, open it up in, in your favorite image editor, Pixelmator or whatever, and, you know, add some text and whatever to your to your screen and, and size it appropriately and use that as your lock screen. Make um, sure you put it in the right place, though, because yeah. there's, there's artwork and then there's animations on top of it. So if you put it under the slide to unlock, people aren't going to be able to see it. Right. But I'll tell you that the easiest way to do it, there's some apps that will do it. And I've put a link in the show notes to one. Um, it'll do it for free with kind of the Apple stock image. Um, and if you pay 99 cents to unlock it as an in-app purchase, it will do it with any of your photos and just pay the 99 cents and do it. It's so worth it. And it will format it nicely. It hasn't, I, I, there's some negative reviews that says it hasn't been updated for the iPhone six and my pictures are look okay. I haven't seen it scale. My picture's funky for the iPhone six, but you maybe try it with the test image first before you pay for it. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Well, that's what we do if your iPhone or Mac is lost or stolen. Do we cover it all? Oh, no, we didn't. We left something very miss? important out. Um, it, you may not get it back. And if you don't, it's obviously very important to have good backups. Yeah. And an automatic backup. So you want to make sure that you turn on um, iCloud backup on your iOS device and have good automatic backups for your Mac, because I would say in reality, probably only a small percentage of devices that are lost or stolen are ever really recovered. The um, kind of unrelated, this is more uh, fodder for the live show. By the way, Ask MPU, we kind of like that Twitter account. Yep, you know, hashtag that Twitter MPU. hashtag. I, I hope you're making notes for the live show here. Yeah, because that's coming up in a week or so here. So, but, uh, you know, um, the Photos app, you know, I'm on the beta on the Mac. It's really looking good. Uh, I got that. I got that email, and I haven't done it yet. I'm a little nervous. All right. For the public beta, I'm a, I'm a chicken with my photos. I don't blame you. It's yeah. a little, it, it, but you know what? Make a backup if you're going to do it, and uh, try it out. Yeah. Come on, Katie. Just go for it. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, let's take a minute and talk about our uh, our sponsor, Linda. 
And uh, lynda.com is the place to go if you want to keep up to date with your software or pick up some brand new skills or explore new, explore new hobbies uh, with their fine video tutorials. And we recommend you go to lynda.com slash Mac Power Users. That makes us look great, too. So whether you want to get tips for the latest online tools or learn how to use Photoshop or improve your photography skills, lynda.com has thousands of video courses and a variety of topics. There's over 2,400 courses now taught by industry experts with more being added weekly. Uh, Lynda.com works directly with the software companies to provide timely training, often on the same day that new versions come out to hit the market, so you're always right up to speed. And they have courses at all experience levels, so whether you're a beginner or advanced, you're going to learn something on whatever topic you want. And you get all that for one low monthly price of $25, and it gives you unlimited access to the entire Lynda.com library. So uh, for me, lynda.com is the place I go when I want to, you know, spend some time and learn something. And they've just got so many different courses to choose from. It's not just something for people who want to learn how to program computers or people who want to do Photoshop. They've got stuff in there about business. They've got stuff in there about how to handle interpersonal relationships. They keep continuing to grow and expand the library, but also the categories of things they have working. Uh, they've got a new course uh, running that's pretty cool. It's called Up and Running with If This than that. And we talk about that quite often on the show. And I thought it was a good idea to have kind of a little explanation of how it works and give you some samples of how, how you can do things. Uh, Google Docs is another thing a lot of people are talking about. They're using Google Docs instead of Microsoft Office and they want to get a little better at it. Well, they have a whole bunch of courses in Google Docs right in lynda.com, so you can figure it out right there. Um, all the courses are produced at really high quality, and you know it's not like those videos you see on YouTube where everything's kind of mushy and bad audio. Everything's great, and you can watch from a computer, your tablet, or your mobile devices, and they're broken into bite-sized pieces. So whether you want to spend 15 minutes or 15 hours, you can go at your own pace, and it's very easy to go back and watch something you didn't understand over again. You can, with a premium plan, you can download the project file so you can follow along with the instructor, which is really nice. And also uh, with the premium plan, you can download them to your, your iPad so you can watch them on an airplane when you're not even connected to the internet. Uh, they're structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump in the middle if you need. Uh, it's really a great service. Uh, Lynda.com, I just cannot get over how many new courses they have. I get that regular email from them and I always like going through it and there, I always find something else I want to learn about. So it's a great way to spend your time. Uh, having watched some TV lately, I'll tell you what, lynda.com is okay by me. Um, so we've got this great deal, uh, thanks to 5x5 with lynda.com. It's lynda.com slash Mac Power users to try lynda.com for free for seven days. That's right, seven days. You get to watch as much as you can. Uh, so just go to lynda.com slash Mac Power users. If you sign up, make sure you do it from that side as well. Let them know you heard it from us and go learn something special. Thanks, Linda. All right. What what other bad things can can happen? So you're we've passwords have been compromised. We've we've got malware. We've we've lost things. Um, what what about damage? We oh, talked about yeah. loss, but not damage. Yeah, accidental damage. Um, is this like the the cat dumped over the the water yeah. into my MacBook again? Yeah, exactly. That's a terrible thing. Water damage, uh, you know, electronics and water don't mix well. So what do you do? Well, it's, um, it's not, it's not water so much as it's, it's water plus power. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a fair statement. Yeah. So long as the water is, is, is not too dirty, you know, but, but it's not often <laughs> just water. I mean, wasn't it, wasn't it, um, um, 
I think it was Allison Sheridan who told us one of our friends like got a relatively new Mac and just poured a glass of wine right into the keyboard. I don't know who it was. Uh, no, well, John Braun poured a beer into his keyboard. Yeah. Well, but Allison, Allison dumped a, a bottle of water into her purse that had like all of her devices in it. Is that what you're thinking of? She just did it all at once. Yeah. All, <laughs> it was, it was like her iPhone or iPad or Blackberry for work and all this other stuff. It was just in exactly. her purse. Yeah. So, so, but let's talk about water first because water is recoverable. Uh, most other drinks um, have well, sugars not, not, and whatever. Not always, things. but can be. It's the most recoverable. I didn't yes. say it's always recoverable. Right? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So what do you do? I mean, the, the first thing, obviously, is 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 uh, you cry. Yes. Right? Yeah, we got that. We got that out of the way. But again, but, you don't have time to cry. You don't have time to cry. So, <laughs> so get the water and, out of there. And, and really, you really don't have time to cry here. And and um, if it's if it's um, remove it from power yes. in any way possible. I mean, yes. if it's a laptop, unplug the power cord immediately. Um, um, hopefully, it's turned off. If it's turned on, it probably just turned itself off anyway. <laughs> but if you can turn it off, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remove the battery if you have yeah. a removal battery. You probably that, don't. That's not as easy as it used to be so <laughs> because there aren't many Macs that you can remove a battery from but if you can remove the battery return the battery but get the water out of there as soon as you can and it, you turn it upside down and shake it and get get the water out of there and sop, sop it up get a towel do something yeah but that's not going to be all the water there's still going to be a bunch of water on the inside and this is the hardest part is you have to um you have to not try to turn it on yeah, do not, do not turn, hit the power button. Don't, 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 just, I just, just, just want to see if it's okay. That's, that's where people run into more trouble. I can completely understand that sentiment because this is something that you have a lot of your money invested in and you just want to know right now, I is just, it ruined ju- or not? I just want to turn on, just, just real quick, just real quick yeah. to see if it's okay. doesn't matter. Damage is done as soon as you turn it on. So don't, no. and, and you put it into something to remove the water. Um, they, there, there are um, products you can buy. Um, uh, they have jewelers, uh, jewelers have devices you can put in, you know, like, like a phone size that would work, but not probably with a Mac, but you're probably not going to have any of that stuff with you. Um, when your computer gets, you know, water gets dropped on your computer. So what do you do? Um, I would say a Ziploc bag with a full of rice is a mm-hmm. good idea. Kitty litter is another one that works. Anything that will suck the moisture out and it has to be in a sealed bag. It can't, you know, obviously it can't be open or it's not going to really do you any good. So if you've got rice in the house, kitty litter, what are some of the other household items you can use um, to do that? Yes. If you've gotten that silica gel, like, you know, that comes in um, packages, if you've just got a bunch of that saved up somewhere. But because really, everybody has everybody yeah. has a, a gallon of that. <laughs> you don't you don't save those. I save those and put those in a bag for when I might need them one day. I've got you a whole do. bag of them. For, you know what? I absolutely believe you do that, Katie Floyd. <laughs> For for when my iPhone takes a dunk and I need to stick it in my dry bag, I can, I can make my own dry but, bag. Okay, so so get it in something like do, that. Seal do, it up. Do not eat. Oh yeah, do not eat the silica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, the advantage of mine is you can cook the rice afterwards. Probably not. You don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the uh, so get it in a dry bag of sorts and seal it up and then wait. Like I said, that is the hardest part. Yeah, and and. I say at least 24, but probably closer to 48 hours. Yeah. Um, the long, yeah. the longer you can, the the better your chances are. Go nuts. Wait three days. I don't know because there, all that moisture, you want it all out of there because if, if there's any, you know, water conducts electricity and when you do turn it on, if the, any of those 
um, bits are connected that shouldn't be connected because of water, that's when things go horribly wrong. So do right. that. Now, it depends on the situation, but, you know, if you've got a Mac, some people would say open up the Mac and, and you know, pull open the screws and try to dry it out even more. Try to really get in there. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea because it's not going to take that long to do that. And if there is like a significant amount of water inside that just can't get out because of the cover, um, drying it off manually is a lot faster than the rice anyway. Yeah. And, you know, dump it, you know, keyboard side down and just as much as you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And wait and wait and wait. Okay. So then after, let's say the 48, 72 hours goes by. Um, what do you do then? You pull it out and you turn it on. And then you, you, you first, you say a little prayer. Yeah. That's the moment of truth. <laughs> yes. And you know what? More often that works more often than you would think it does. Well, it, it, part of it depends on, on how bad it is. I mean, if this is a water splash or a quick dunk, maybe, I mean, but if this thing's been in the washing machine for 45 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and that advice would apply equally to an iPhone an iPad or a Mac. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But but what if it's other kind of damage? You know, I, I had this situation happen in my family just recently. You know, my dad was pulling his his MacBook Pro out of his bag and, you know, it, it just it slipped out of his hand and boom, hit the floor. So the first thing you do is you cry. <laughs> at that point, time doesn't matter. <laughs> at that point, you just yeah. cry. And, and then you well, carefully peek and look at the screen. Because if you don't look at it, it's not broken, right? Well, that's and that's the most frequent damage I think you're going to have dropping a Mac in 2015 because they all have the glass screens. Actually, does the MacBook Air have a glass screen? Yeah, it does, doesn't it, at uh, this point? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, aren't you looking at one right now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it does. I can't tell. I think it does. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, you know, dents and damn, I've seen Macs that were pretty dinged up that worked just fine um, with the uh, with the arrival of the SSD, you know, one of the big problems you had when you used to drop a computer was the hard drive would get cooked. You know, if the head bounces just a little bit, it doesn't take much to ruin a hard drive when it's spinning media and a, you know, super fast record player in, in essence. Um, that doesn't happen as much anymore. I remember when you're at, at Macworld, Andy Anatko had that where he, he dropped his, um, pulling his Mac forward, I think it like dropped off the ledge of the top of the table and dropped like an inch and, just smoked his hard drive, which is that one inch drop. Mm, mm, it depends. Yeah. But there's oh. not that many parts moving inside it if you've got an SSD. So it actually can take a beating a little better than it used to. But with the glass screens, that could be a problem. And if it, you know, if the glass screen is gone, what do you do? You take it in. Hopefully you're under Apple Care. If not, you know, go get somebody to fix it for you. Yeah. I mean, again, if you can pull the hard drive at, at this point, I, I think what you try to do is you, you try to recover the data if you can, because your data is probably the most valuable thing on the hard drive, right? Or probably well, the most valuable thing in the computer. I think before you do that, I, I would just turn it on. I mean, if you have a drop, you can just find out if it's working or not. That's not like the water situation. Right. Right. Um, and, and I would just be careful if you start hearing clicking, you know, the clicking sound of death. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah, immediately pull out your super duper drive. And although even then, that's something you have to be careful about. If you have potentially damaged goods, don't overwrite a good backup with a bad one. So, Absolutely do not do yeah. that. Yeah. Be so very, get a in fact, drive. I would say anytime you have any question whatsoever, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because we're going to talk about data corruption, any question whatsoever, you, you want to make a separate backup 
do do not overwrite what is known good data with potentially corrupt data. Um, you can take it to the Apple store, have them fix it. You could take it into um, an Apple authorized repair shop. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about this with Joe. Most Apple stores will generally diagnose for free and that will at least tell you what you're in for. I, I don't know if Apple authorized centers will do that, um, but generally they'll diagnose for at least a flat fee. So you'll you'll know what you're getting in for for at least a flat fee before you dig in too deep. Um, and most Apple stores will give you generally flat fee, either repair or replacements for iOS devices, even if they're not in warranty. If it's a major problem for a Mac that's out of warranty or it's due to accidental damage, uh, use the words flat rate repair option. Ask them if there's a flat rate repair option for this particular Mac or for this particular problem. Yeah. And they're usually pretty good about telling you that they're, they're not trying to be secretive about it. Right. But the person you're talking to just may not know. So yeah. you may want to ask. Um, third party uh, uh, authorized repair shops are a good option. I just think, unfortunately, sometimes they can't be as flexible as as Apple can because Apple's big enough. Um, but you're also saying, David, you're also seeing a lot of third party unauthorized repair shops popping up, you know, like these these kiosks in the mall that will fix a crack in your iPhone screen or something like that. Um, you know, I know when my legal assistant dropped her iPhone twice, um, she that's where she went and she got a new iPhone screen for, you know, I think 99 bucks or, you know, a Black Friday special for 69 bucks or, or something like that. Uh, what what are your thoughts on these? If it's out of warranty, why not? Yeah. Um, so long as it's out of warranty, if it's in warranty, um, you know, take it into Apple, let them deal with it. Um, well, but if it's in warranty, I mean, warranty, unless you have Apple care, is never going to cover an accidental damage. Yeah. But I, I would be careful but, about using yeah. one of these unauthorized repair shops because um, if you do use them, I, I will say they are generally less expensive, but be careful. There's a reason for that. Number one, they're they're not using Apple authorized parts, so you're, you're getting lower grade parts. Um, and so you may not be getting as good of a touch screen. You may not find that your, your phone works quite as well as it did before. Um, and if your phone is in warranty, it will it will definitely void whatever's left of the warranty. Yeah. And there's always the option of, you know, fix it yourself. It'll go to iFixit and check out what it's going to take to fix that because they'll sell you a kit. They'll even sell you the part. And if you're, you know, if you're geeky enough, it may be an opportunity to see if you can yank a phone apart and put it back together and have all the screws go where they belong. Well, and that's just fun, too. You can chalk that up to yeah. a project, a day, yeah. you know, entertainment value. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it with the Mac repairs because I, th I just, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> it's just, I think it's very easy to do a lot of damage, it, you know, and those things are pretty expensive. So maybe having somebody who's done this a few times fix it could save you a lot of money. Um, um, you know, the other option is there are places that will buy even your broken stuff. You know, Gazelle, I know, will buy even broken devices, although I would say do the cost benefit analysis of, you know, what's it going to cost you uh, broken? What's it going to cost fixed? And what will it cost me to try to fix it? OK, yeah. uh, what are some tips to keep people from having accidental damage to their to their iOS devices and their Macs? Um, obviously, protective cases and covers will will help to some extent. You know, having a case on your iPhone or on your on your Mac or, or you know, keeping it in a, in a good bag will help. Um, as far as water damage, you know, not having any animals certainly would help. Not having any children would would be a big bonus. Oh, man. Now I got to get rid of my kids. See, 
you know, it sacrifices must be made. The um, I, I'm very conscious of whenever I put a liquid on the same table as a computer. It, yes. I don't, yeah, I've never actually had a spill, but I'm just always very conscious of that. Um, the um, and I do have like I put my drinks in the cups with the lid where you press the button to drink. So if it tips over, it won't you know it won't spill water. But I, I don't know. That's something that I just do instinctively, so, and I so think that's you, a good idea. Are you saying you drink out of a sippy cup? Sort of. Do you have a like sippy an cup? adult sippy cup? No, I you, actually have an Apple branded one <laughs> you, that I got when I was at the mothership. Oh, I got that for you, didn't I? And bring it to you. I I've got remember. several. You've of got them. several. You yeah. Probably did. Um, no, I, I I laugh at you and I I joke about your sippy cup, but I do the same thing. In fact, as I'm, uh, my general rule is, um, I I don't let any drinks next to my um, on my desk unless they're in, in covered cups. So I've got a coffee cup that has one of those push to drink. And if you accidentally tip it over, it's not going to spill things. Um, and even right now, as we're podcasting, I've, I've got water, but I've, I've got it in a, um, in a, in a water bottle that if I, I tip it over, it's, it's not going to accidentally drink or accidentally spill. Um, you can, once again, you can kind of insure against loss. Uh, Apple care plus is a good thing. Um, uh, last time I checked, it was what about a hundred bucks. Yeah. It, um, there is a, dedu- years. there is a deductible though, and it's rising now with the more expensive oh, cost. The deductible is rising with the more expensive costs for, for iPhones and iPads. Um, and Apple care plus still doesn't, is not available for Macs. Yeah. But for so. the phones, the things that you're most likely to drop and spill on, um, the the last time I checked was a hundred dollars and it was, I think fifty dollars per event and Katie I think it, no right. it's, it's, probably, it's gone up yeah yeah so do do the research uh, I I did a, a post about um and this the post is up is probably out of date so I probably won't link it but Apple like I said does offer flat rate repair options for most iOS devices so it's like you know if you have one incident you know the the difference between Apple Care Plus and and having one instance it's it's typically only like 150 bucks. So to some extent you can kind of self-insure against that. It's kind of funny in my house. My, I am I, I, knock on wood. I've never had an incident with my devices, but my phone always has a two year lifespan or actually more than two years, but one year with me. And then the next year it goes to my oldest daughter. And every year she knocks out the two Apple care repairs every year. Oh, I would, I would absolutely get Apple care plus with kids. Yeah. And so, okay. so you're not allowed to use Apple Care Plus. Basically, I have to preserve them because she's <laughs> definitely going to need them. Yeah. Okay. The other thing she's really good at, I don't know why this is, every time I hand the phone to her, you know, when we do the big switch at the end of the year, she looks at it and finds something wrong. And two or three times now, she's got new phones. I mean, like uh, last year, there was a dark spot on the lens and I didn't even realize it. And she says, Dad, every picture I take has this dark spot. And we took it in and they... They gave us a new phone. So, so she really gets like three bites at the apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, so there we go. I, I think it, some of the stuff really just is going to happen. So just be ready for it. And um, and with the water thing, wait wait two or three days, please. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I want to talk about one more sponsor and then uh, wrap it up and talk about data corruption. Cause you know, I thought this was going to be a quick show and, and now we're running a little bit long. Uh, but our, our last sponsor for this episode is our friends over at automatic and um, automatic will take your dumb car and turn it into a smart car. And so automatic is a connected car adapter that plugs into your car's diagnostic port. You know, the one that your mechanic uses. Um, and if you've got a car since 1996 in the U S chance, Chances are you've got one of these diagnostic ports. It will then pair with your your iPhone. 
Uh, I guess it works with Android phones too, but probably if you're listening to this, you've got an iPhone, um, when you drive and it connects your car to the internet. Um, and you can use the free automatic app, which will show you things like if your check engine light comes on, it will help you diagnose it and even clear the alert if it's no big deal. Um, it will log all of your trips and your parking locations so that you never lose your car. Um, it'll give you feedback on your driving to help you drive less aggressively and save on gas. Um, and big things, you know, if you're in a crash, automatic can detect that and even call for help if you're not able to and a human will stay on the line with you until help arrives and maybe even text your loved ones and say this is the last location and we noticed a crash and couldn't get in touch with Katie. Um, Automatic also can get very, very powerful uh, when you tie into other features and services. Like they just recently at CES announced a program where they will now integrate with your Nest. So you can uh, turn on your thermostat to start heating your home uh, just in time for your arrival. You can learn more about that at automatic.com slash Nest. Uh, And you can control the power of if this, then that, which just opens up a whole world of possibilities uh, with your automatic. Best of all, uh, there are no subscription fees ever. You buy automatic once for a one-time price of $99.95, and then you're done. Uh, You don't ever have to pay a subscription fee. You don't ever have to pay for updates. Uh, It's just going to work automatically. But we can do even better than that. So if you want to get started with all of this, uh, you can use our coupon code uh, and save 20% uh, and get automatic. Uh, for just 80 bucks. And so to do that, go to automatic.com and use coupon or uh, go to automatic.com slash Mac power. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes. uh, And it will automatically apply that coupon code for you. If you decide that automatic isn't for you, hey, that's fine. They've got free shipping and a free 45 day return policy, but uh, try it. Uh, Start experimenting with some of the options with automatic, especially get into that if this and that support. uh, And I guarantee and they guarantee that you're going to love it. So check them out at automatic.com slash Mac power. And thanks to automatic for their support of the show. I think that automatic was one of my favorite geek buys last year. I love it. And I love that it's in my daughter's car too, for a lot of reasons. All right. Not creepy reasons. Good reasons. (laughs) Good. Okay. Um, what about data corruption and hard drive failure? Yeah, I mean, even if you don't, you know, crash and burn with your hard drive and, and drop it down a flight of stairs, there are still ways that you can have data corruption and hard drives fail. I mean, these things happen. I mean, they're they're gremlins. Is that what they're the things that you feed after midnight or get wet? Are those gremlins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure they're gremlins? I thought they were called something else. No. Um. Oh man, now you're calling me out. They, they're gremlins after you feed them after midnight, but before that, they Aren't have a like different name. They're like munchkins? No. No, no, right. no, no, no. Um, we're going to get so much email if you they're don't figure this cute, out. They're very cute, though. Just don't feed them after midnight. Right, right. Um, anyway, so um, small bits of corruption can happen over time. And so what's not a big problem, it can all of a sudden turn into a big problem if it goes unchecked. Uh, and then I just with age, hard drives wear and and they die. And you know, I've I've said before that there are that there are two types of hard drives in the world. There are those that um, have died, and there are those that will die. Which kind do you have? Is that a trick question? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> the um so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you, you know, machines break, so your data will be lost. And, and having it in one place is a bad idea. So if you've got backups, this this whole a, topic. A, a Mogwai, M-O-G-W-A-I. Yeah, I was trying to look is, for it too. It's the but pet, yes. Yeah, they're Sorry. cute. Yeah, so yeah, you don't have to email us. We got it, a Mogwai. 
Um, the um, if you've got back, it's funny how this could be. This is a weird thing, you know. And we talk about backups so much on the show. I don't want to drone on about it more, but you need backups. And if you have backups, this this whole category is either kind of somewhat relevant or it's deadly. You know, if you have data corruption and you don't have a backup, it's deadly. You could lose all your photographs or important work data or whatever it is that's important to you. So you don't want to put yourself in that position. How do you avoid it? You don't really avoid it because computer hard drives will go bad. I just had mine go bad in my in my Drobo recently. And it's I bought them all at the same time. One of them, for whatever reason, just decided it had a bad day and was going to give up the ghost. So it did. And now I've replaced it. Well, um, I mean, sometimes there are things that cause them to go bad. I mean, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, physical damage. You know, maybe they got jostled a little too much. Sometimes it can be a, a drive is ejected when it's still spinning. You know, sometimes it can be that a drive is suddenly disconnected or loses power. I mean, so there can be things that that cause corruption. But once you start finding corruption on a drive. Yeah, you're done. It, it never gets better. It only gets worse. And usually it starts, you know, accelerating the badness. So immediately make sure you have backs up, backups of that data. And frankly, I always just, as soon as I start having any problems, I just go buy a replacement for it. Yeah. I mean, my general rule of thumb is once a drive has failed, you never, ever trust it again. Okay. Uh, but what can you do to try and repair a drive? Um, I think probably the easiest thing is disk utility. And, uh, yeah. but there's a little bit of a trick to this because you can't repair a drive that's actually running the operating system because it can't, it's like Fix trying itself. to bite your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, um, so what you need to do is, um, is, is boot the boot recovery, you know, and, and we talked about that, you know, you hold down with the option key as you turn on uh, command and R or you can hold down the option key. Yeah. Yeah. You're but, always trying to mess with me on that, Katie Floyd. Yeah. Now, we should mention, though, that there's a difference between a hard drive truly being corruptive and, because it has damage or HSF plus corruption. Please cue John Syracuse. Where's the bell? Yeah. Ding. Yep. yep. And so and what that means is that the drive is working fine, but it can't find its find its files on the directory. You know, the directory starts having problems. And the, uh, the and, go-to solution on that on Mac for many years has been Disk Warrior. Yeah, and, and HSF plus corruption is something that disk utility can usually correct if it is caught early. If it is caught very early in the process, you know, this is something that disk utility can take care of as part of a normal Mac maintenance process. If it goes long enough, then that's something that you look at Disk Warrior for. And if it goes too long, you're just going to turn on your Mac one day and see a lovely little question mark with a folder greeting you. And, and now you could reformat a, a, a drive that has directory corruption. It doesn't right. mean the drive is necessarily bad and you could probably continue using it, but um, it's just something that happens. Hopefully, hopefully Apple will get around to fixing that one day. Uh, ZFS. I don't know. I think the ship has kind of sailed on ZFS. I mean, if they were going to do that, that would have already happened. Yeah. I don't know. I think that if they ever, if they ever do come up with a new directory structure, it'll be something entirely new that we've never heard of. Then that would make me nervous. Yeah, exactly. I was just like the devil, it, the devil you know versus it. the devil yeah. you don't. So, well, maybe they would go back to ZFS. I don't know. But the um, that is definitely a part of the platform that could improve. Yeah. Um, how do you prevent it? Um, well, uh, shut, you know, unexpected shutdowns of your computer are a good way to cause problems with your drive. You know, just holding the power button down or yanking the cord out. Um, can cause problems. So, you know, be a little bit careful about that. Don't just shut it down. Um, uh, Katie put a good thing in the outline, get a UPS. So it keeps the power on, even if the power gets shut off on you. Yeah. And search protectors, because even yeah. if the power doesn't get caught, you know, 
dropped out, but you know, what are those called? Brownouts or whatever? Yeah. We don't have those. We just, we just have things blow up here. I've been to Florida. I believe I'm a UPS believer. If I was in Florida, I'd I'd have seven of them. Oh, I, I think I have four in this house. Yeah. And and my my whole house is on whole house surge suppression. Oh, I have four un- uninterruptible power supplies and then multiple surge suppression. It, yeah. I, saw, I saw more lightning in Florida in five minutes than I think I saw in 46 years of living in California. Yeah, it's bad. So um, the other thing is eject drives before you disconnect them. Uh, I use a little product. I put a link in the show notes too called Jettison that will do yeah. that automatically because I forget about it. It's a little menu bar utility. Works great. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is just normal drive maintenance. And again, using disk utility routinely will prevent minor drive corruption from becoming major drive corruption. And by that, I mean like HSF plus file system corruption thing, because so you can check a drive when it's still in your Mac. And I tend to do this when I run a program like Onyx, just as part of a, a Mac maintenance routine, I've got an OmniFocus task that every three months um, I I just run normal maintenance utilities, whether I need to or not. I think I probably do anyway every three months, but it's just on my OmniFocus task. Every three months, whether I need to or not, I'm going to boot from the recovery partition. I'm going to run disk utility just to check the status of my disk. Smart. Okay. Yep. Add that to your OmniFocus task. Let us know if we missed something. You know, what are some yeah. other things that can go wrong we should have covered? We can put it in the live show. Um, yeah. By the way, the live show is coming up. So it is. Uh, it's first Saturday of the month, 10 a.m. PST. Come in. The chat room is always kind of fun. And uh, if you don't have time to be there, just record a little audio message and send it in for us. We'd like to share those. And um, that's not far off. We've got some good workflow guests planned coming up. We've done a couple content shows in a row here. That's because we're scheduling some some workflow guests that I think you're going to really like. Uh, what else is going on, Katie Floyd? I don't, I don't know. Got I got a good, I got that good new uh, field guide out now on, on workflow. That's kind of fun. Everybody's liking that. And, uh, and where do you find us? Well, we got uh, links to everything here in the show notes. You can find that at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5by5.tv slash MPU. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. The show is MacPowerUsers. I'm Katie Floyd, and David is Max Sparky. Send feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Send in your comments and audio notes for the live show. And we will see you all next week. Bye.